Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Morning shot. Here with breakfast with Lin Lee, Ryan and Rachel. A week after Turkey's worst earthquake in modern history, rescuers pulled several children alive from collapsed buildings. But hopes of finding more survivors are fading as criticism of authorities grows. The magnitude 7.8 quake has since killed more than uh, 36,000 people. Security risks such as bad weather and looting have put a handful of search and rescue operations on on hold over the past few days. Despite challenges, humanitarian aid groups like the International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies are hard at work on the ground, helping in areas like medical aid and shelter for the injured and homeless, as well as dead body management and site assessments. We have with us this morning Benjamin Williams, Secretary General and CEO of the Singapore Red Cross. A very good morning to you. Uh, very good morning. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Looking forward really to hear your stories of first-hand accounts from your counterparts who are on ground zero. Yeah. We've heard stories of miraculous rescues in recent days, but tens of thousands of dead have also been found. What are you hearing from your response teams that are on the ground currently? Okay, so our response teams on the ground, uh, especially working with the Turkish Red Crescent, the situation is still very dire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think every now and then there's uh, news of a rescue of a person who survived, but what they are finding more and more of uh, of people, uh, dead bodies in the buildings that have collapsed. So we can expect the death toll to rise way beyond the 36,000 uh, that we have reached now. But uh, in terms of the humanitarian response, I think what is also important to note is that there's uh, almost a complete destruction of infrastructure and uh, important facilities like medical centers and hospitals. So the Red Cross is working hard to provide even things like blood products Mm. that is uh, very much needed, medicine and medical aid, Mm -hmm. uh, but also millions of hot meals, uh, temporary shelter, stocks of food, and more and more uh, we are needing things like hygiene kits and blankets as the weather has been quite challenging. Now, talking about challenges, the earthquakes struck where there is a sizable refugee population. More than 4 million Syrians who rely on immediate humanitarian aid actually live in that region. How does that complicate recovery operations? So the region, as you know, uh, has been facing many challenges for 12 years uh, with the internal Mm -hmm. conflict. In fact, about 10% of the people affected in Turkey are actually refugees, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly from Syria. Mm-hmm. And in the Syrian side, as many as four or five million, as you correctly point out, are refugees. So the challenges are compounded because many of the buildings that these refugees have been living in are also very fragile mm-hmm. and many of them have collapsed. But over and above that, the challenges we are facing are accessibility. The earthquake has damaged most of the possible roads. Mm. Uh, so access through the roads are one of the big challenges, the damaged infrastructure. But also uh, most of these areas, especially on the Syrian side, are not totally under government control. Mm. So there's a complication, there's a political and uh, military complications for humanitarian workers like the Red Cross and Red Crescent. But the Syrian Red Crescent has been uh, working with us to reach out. They've reached out to close to 60,000 people in the site, providing them with uh, especially medical assistance. 
and uh, necessity. It does sound then, Benjamin, that uh, these areas or sites are precarious or even dangerous for your team down at uh, Ground Zero. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, so besides the weather, which is already a challenge, you know, sometimes going to close to zero, but you have to be also aware of the security situation. So, in fact, if you come across reports saying that some of the, even the rescue teams are pulling out mm-hmm. because of fears of security uh, for the team. Um, in our case, we've been working very closely with the Syrian Red Crescent and the Turkish Red Crescent. So they are aware of the situation on the ground. They are familiar on the ground. They know the people. So uh, in that sense, they are in a safer place. But still, the physical challenges are tremendous. But nevertheless, uh, we continue to work because there are millions of people who need uh, the assistance. We're seeing new reports uh, that you and a chief... Martin Griffiths is saying that the rescue phase is coming to a close. Now, the humanitarian phase, uh, the urgency of providing shelter, psychosocial care, food, schooling, mm. and a sense of future for these people, uh, he's saying that that's the obligation now. So, with countries and NGOs across the world committing to send aid, could you put into perspective for us, how fast can such aid reach the places that need it the most? Okay, I think that's a very good question, right? So um, what we have been doing is that essentially we've been uh, securing the uh, supplies within the region, Mm -hmm. uh, either within Turkey or in the nearby areas, and uh, aid will get to the people who need it faster. Now, Mm -hmm. there are many people who are collecting uh, donations in kind, even in Singapore. Now, these will face many challenges to get to the uh, Mm -hmm. uh, site in Turkey. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think I am very confident that a significant amount of aid will reach uh, those in Turkey who need Turkey who needs the assistance. Uh, Syria is going to be a bit more complicated, mm-hmm. uh, but you are right. We are slowly shifting, and uh, in fact, in most cases, we have shifted away from the rescue phase to where we need to supply humanitarian assistance for the survivors, and then uh, slowly it will shift to the longer-term uh, recovery mm-hmm. and uh, livelihood uh, things that we have to take care of. Okay, in terms of monetary aid pledged, how does that translate into actual aid on the ground? Are there challenges on that front in terms of maximizing the impact of donations? Okay, so the Turkish Red Crescent is actually a very uh, mature organization and they have very good uh, access to supplies uh, for relief items, uh, both in terms of items that they have already stocked up because, you know, Turkey is uh, often uh, faced earthquakes and other disasters, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also they have uh, very good suppliers in the region, including in Europe. Uh, So we have been able to work through them to secure the supplies for the time being. Uh, That that makes it much easier because they are much nearer. So these are things like food items, dried food items, thermal clothing, blankets, drinking water, sanitation solutions, hygiene items, and uh, even medicine. But I am uh, guessing... Uh, assessing that in the next few days, you know, they would need more supplies which will come from further afar. Mm-hmm. In terms of those items you just mentioned, uh, is there one or a few particular items that are most needed now? Or what's the most pressing need there? And how long do you reckon it's going to take for a full okay. recovery? Okay. So, as you know, tens of thousands of buildings have collapsed. Mm-hmm. But that's not the full picture. Besides that, the buildings that have not collapsed, many of them are unlivable and people will be afraid to go back in. 
So you will see that there are millions of people who will be displaced for a good period of time. Mm. So uh, the need for emergency supplies will carry on for at least a few weeks, if not a few months. Mm. And then slowly the shift will be to slightly more permanent shelter. Because right now, most of them are living in very temporary shelter. Mm -hmm. I imagine that if you're talking about moving from the relief phase, you're talking about several months. If you talk about full recovery, you're talking about years. Uh, Rebuilding the infrastructure, rebuilding the medical centers, the schools and and the houses will take several years. And I'm hearing that uh, those victims are actually being moved away from the sites uh, to, you know, temporary shelters away from where the disaster struck. Yes, I I think uh, at least for temporary housing, leaving them in the site would be very challenging Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because most of the infrastructure and the roads and all that have been destroyed. So the best way is to move them somewhere where they can be more easily reached, uh, Mm -hmm. where humanitarian supplies can get to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how long they will be in these temporary shelters, uh, for the time being, I think it is uh, anyone's guess. My own guess is that it will take months before uh, they are able to go back to their villages and their districts. And then it'll take years before they are able to rebuild uh, their houses and the infrastructure. Okay, Benjamin, what can Singaporeans do if we want to help in some way or other? Okay, I want to uh, say that the Singapore Red Cross has been working very closely with our partners, the Turkish Red Crescent, the Syrian Red Crescent, the International Federation, Mm -hmm. and the International Committee of the Red Cross and Red Crescent Society. Now, I think it is important that uh, we recognize that right now, the easiest is to uh, contribute financially mm-hmm. so that we are able to purchase the items much nearer to the site of the earthquake mm-hmm. and get the items to the people who need it as soon as possible. And um, how can we do that? I think the best way is to uh, provide uh, financial support. We will to donate to Singapore Red Cross okay. or to uh, some of the other organizations that are also raising funds. Okay, thank you very much, Benjamin. We've been speaking with Benjamin Willem, Secretary General and CEO of the Singapore Red Cross. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.